God, come to my assistance. Lord, make haste to help me. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Alleluia. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, you instructed the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant us by the same Spirit to have a right judgment in all things, and ever to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, sin must not reign in your mortal bodies, so that you obey their desire. And do not present your parts of your body to sin as weapons for wickedness, but present yourselves to God as raised from the dead to life, and the parts of your bodies to God as weapons of righteousness. For sin is not to have any power over you, since you are not under the law, but under grace. What then, shall we sin, because we are not under the law, but under grace? Of course not. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to the God that, although you were once slaves to sin, you have become obedient from the heart to the pattern of teaching to which you were entrusted. Freed from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. The Word of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Had not the Lord been with us, let Israel say, Had not the Lord been with us, when men rose up against us, then would they have swallowed us alive when their fury was inflamed against us. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Then would the waters have overwhelmed us, the torrent would have swept over us, over us would have swept the raging waters, Blessed be the Lord who did not leave us a prey to their teeth. Our help is in the name of the Lord. We are rescued like a bird from the fowler's snare. Broken was the snare, and we are freed. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Our help is in the name of of the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Stay awake, for you do not know on which day your Lord will come. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. 
Jesus said to his disciples, Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared, for at an hour you do not expect the Son of Man will come. Then Peter said, Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? The Lord replied, Who then is the faithful and prudent steward, whom the master will put in charge of the servants, to distribute the food allowance at the proper time? Blessed is that servant, whom his master, upon arriving, finds doing so. Truly, I say to you, he will put him in charge of all his property. But if that servant says to himself, My master is delayed in coming, and begins to beat the men's servants and the main servants to eat and drink and get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour and will punish the servant severely and assign him a place with the unfaithful. That servant, who knew his master's will but did not make preparations, nor act in accord with his will, shall be beaten severely. And the servant who was ignorant of his master's will, but acted in a way deserving of a severe beating, shall be beaten only slightly. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much, and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. O Lord, let me not be puffed up with worldly wisdom, which passes away. Grant me that love which never abates, that I may not choose to know anything but Jesus and him crucified. I pray you, loving Jesus, that as you have graciously given me to drink in with delight the words of your knowledge, so you would mercifully grant me to one day attain to you the fountain of all wisdom, to appear before your face. Amen. Today's lectionary reading, especially the reading from the Gospel, is something that flies in the face of people who claim eternal security. And I say this because not too long ago I was trying to have a conversation with some people about it. But they were so entrenched in their Calvinism that they only wanted to run around and tell you scriptures where you would assume from reading it that you would have eternal security. And they read them in such a way that it showed eternal security. It even went so far as to point out that those who were unsaved were unsaved because God hardened their hearts, using Pharaoh as an example. But you see, when you really read the scriptures, that's not so. In fact, if you really are paying attention to the scriptures, salvation can be lost. It can result in you not receiving the fullness of God's salvation. And that's something that's very interesting for us to consider. 
One of the scriptures that was pointed to was in the book of Revelation, where Jesus tells one of the churches that he will not blot out the names of those who are faithful. And it's reminding you, in a sense, that the names in the book of life are names God knows from the foundation of the world. And many people assume that because those names are never changed, and that there is an elect, that there is a group that is chosen, that is selected by God to be, in a sense, preserved unto eternal life, that that means we don't have a part in it, that we can't lose our salvation. But you see, the problem with this is it ignores the knowledge of God and the fact that Nothing to God is a surprise. He knows the end from the beginning. So he knows from the very beginning of time the end result of your salvation or damnation. And that's something that should cause us to pause. There's nothing in God's foreknowledge, to use Romans chapter 8, that necessitates that God determine by that foreknowledge to save you. But rather, that foreknowledge is just God's knowing everything that could possibly happen from the very beginning of time, and the end result that we come up with in the world is freely our choice to be preserved, to abide in Christ, or not. You see, there were branches on the vine that were taken off because salvation can be lost. If you look at the 15th chapter of John, we are told that the Father prunes the vine of Christ and removes those branches that are unfruitful. That in and of itself should be a first sign that salvation is not once saved, always saved, that we must persevere in it, as First Peter tells us. And that is an important thing for you and I to remember, to think about, and to realize. Because God will save you to the uttermost. He will know you intimately and you will know him. But this knowledge is something we know in part. Only when we see him face to face will that knowledge be perfect. And we will know as we are known. And that's the point. You see, all those scriptures where it says God knows us intimately is about that point in time. We forget the interim in between. It's the whole point of Lazarus being in the grave. Jesus said Lazarus, his sickness is not unto death, and yet he still died. Why? Because God wasn't looking at the death. He was looking at the resurrection that followed. Just like with our salvation, he knows our names are written in the book of life. He knows none of us in this book will be blotted out. That 
He will not lose any of those that are in his hand. Because he knows from the foundation of the world before anything happens what tomorrow will bring for you. He knows whether or not you remain faithful to the end. God is not a being with a shadow to change in him to where he would be surprised at the outcome. Not because he actively does something to make it so, but because he allows you to make the choice, a free will choice, and then you bear the weight of the outcome. See, that's the point here. That's what's being talked about. You need to be looking for Jesus like your life depends upon it, because it does. The good servants are the ones that are doing their job. The ones that are not get beaten and have what is taken from them given to others. He that is faithful in little will be faithful in much. And the one who is who had the one cent, the one denarii, the one coin, had that taken from him and he was cast into outer darkness. I think we're missing something in our understanding of the future because we're trying to hold on to something that's not. Ignorant people will say that Augustine and Saint jo- uh, and and John Calvin said the same thing, when in reality they didn't. If you read the treatise on free will by Saint Augustine, you'll understand that there is a great gulf of a difference between what he believed and what John Calvin ended up saying in the 1500s, and that is. A huge thing to realize. We need to realize and have the confidence in the gift of God's grace that frees us from sin. That's what the first reading was telling us about. We don't sin because we're not under the law, we're under grace. We need to be obedient slaves. We have to choose. Thanks be to God that he will work out his salvation through us. But we have to choose a slavery to righteousness. We have to present our parts, not as weapons of wickedness, but present ourselves to God as those raised from death unto life. That's what it means to be a good and faithful servant. That is what everything rests on. Not a once saved, always saved mentality that's never existed at any point in Christianity. And let me go so far as to point out something else. If you say that somebody really wasn't saved, they 
weren't whatever, then you're able to say that somebody in the natural is able to fake Christianity. The wheat among the tares. The reason Jesus didn't want them taken out wasn't because they will always be wheat, but because they can be born again, changed. Old things pass away, and all things become new. He's giving them the opportunity to repent and be saved, to bear fruit. There were some seed that was sown, that which was thrown on the walkway, the birds took that seed and it didn't do anything. But then there was seed that was thrown on a rocky ground that had a little bit of a root, but because of the rocky ground it couldn't get down and it withered because it was too hard for it. It was something that made it wilt because of the heat of the sun. Then there was another group that was sown among the thorns. It did grow up. It started to show good promise of being good. But because it was among thorns, the cares of the world crunched it out, choked it, killed it, and it became unfruitful. See, there's two types of the seed that the sower sowed in the parable of the sower that did blossom. There was great joy for a time. There was salvation in a brief nanosecond of eternity that later got discarded because it was too hard or it got choked out by the cares of the world. Only one-fourth of the seed sown blossom thirty, sixty, a hundredfold. Because not everyone that hears the gospel and responds lives the gospel. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. You can build up treasure in heaven, or you can pave the road you walk to hell.